It's the sound of the start of your weekend. It's The Betting Show. And it's sponsored by Betfair. And it's for over 18s only. And we want everyone listening to be gamble aware because it's Ali Maxwell and George Ellick making betting picks ahead of the EFL weekend. Just a few statements to start, George. A statement of intent. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? A three to one winning nap will do the trick for both of us, won't it? Very good. Very nice. Very good. Very nice. Even though it spelt the end of Oxford's manager, the team I support, at least I got to celebrate some money and putting up a selection that won at a quite a big price. Well, yeah, as as long term listeners will know, but I, I do think occasionally it's worth me reminding people we, we have our five categories, uh, five picks for the pod. The nap is the best bet. That is a two point play. Uh, and then the rest are all one point plays. So a three to one winning nap means six points profit. And because that was the early game, it was plus six for both of us before 3 p.m. on Saturday. Not for me, actually. Hey. I was in Albania, so it was like 3.30. <laughs> it was plus six before 1,500 GMT and 1,600 CET, or wherever you were. Mm. And um, and that was just as well, because those were our, our only winners of the weekend. Just shows how important the nap is. Uh, the rest of it still needs a lot of work. But uh, I still ended up plus 2.14 points up, and you plus 2.04 it's been a busy week for us. We've released the first in a new content series on our nascent but ever-growing YouTube channel. As I say that, George, it strikes me that your daughter is also could come under the bracket of nascent and constantly growing. So that's quite nice. You can watch her and the YouTube channel grow together. Interestingly, they're both fairly similarly uh, labour-intensive, which... <laughs> uh, <laughs> But luckily, uh, between the two of us, I do more for my daughter and you do more for our YouTube channel thus far. Um, hopefully one day as my daughter becomes less labor intensive, if that ever happens, could be like, to, you know, 15 years. Yeah. Then I might be able to pick up some of the slack. <laughs> I like to think that us hitting 3000 subscribers at the start of the week was very similar to the first time Eva smiled at you. Right. Last week, we made a big thing out of the fact that we don't tell each other our picks until just before we start recording. And therefore, it's quite fun when we realise that we've got a double nap and a double next best, as was the case last week. Um, and uh, El Arbitro of The Betting Show, Hugh Davis, made a fair point, which is, have you ever considered just not asking just before recording? And then it'll be fully organic and <laughs> fully natural when you hear each other's picks. And so that's what we're doing. This week, George, what's your nap? What is your best bet in the EFL? I think quite often, just quickly, I think quite often you ask me what my picks are and I just don't ask you. So it's often organic that I don't know what you're doing because um, you are El Produso. Do you think that reflects poorly on you as a human being, that you're just not that interested and you don't match others' interests that they show in you? Yeah, to be fair. Something I think to that's work probably on. about right. Yeah, I'll have a think of what you got to work on as well. My best bet is Coventry to beat... Huddersfield at 13 to 10. Now, I just, I mean, it, it feels like it, it can't be. It feels like I am wrong, but it just feels in my bones and in my eyeballs when I look at that price, like there is some kind of weird Warnock tax that has been priced, that's been baked into this price. And I'm just not having it. I, I, I just don't believe that if Mark Fotheringham was taking charge of Huddersfield at home to Coventry on Saturday. Coventry would be available at 13 to 10. So that's my angle here. Maybe Neil Warnock is a better manager than Mark Fotheringham. Well, you've interrupted me there just before my <laughs> point, which is that I've seen very little 
to nothing thus far to suggest that there should be a baked in Neil Warnock tax. Yes, they won last time out their their home game. And yes, Hungbo looks like a pretty lively player and scored a, a beautiful goal in that game against Birmingham. But it wasn't a vintage performance. It wasn't a massive improvement uh, from what we've seen from Huddersfield recently. You don't, you don't have to look back that far since Huddersfield won back-to-back games with fairly similar performances where they were probably not the better team um, but came out uh, 2-1 winners at Preston and then 2-0 winners at home to a terrible Rotherham side. Like This isn't like, a, oh, look at them now under Warnock winning games. Fothering won back-to-back games this year. So, yeah, the the, the Burnley game... You know, Neil Warnock might, well, he's correctly trying to draw a line through it by saying that Burnley are the best team in the Championship in 25 years. That might be true, but there aren't many teams that, that Burnley have um, been able to look that good against thus far this season. And that's not a surprise. You know, Huddersfield are one of, if not the worst team in the league this season. But there was no fight. They, they were like unable to cope with um, specific key attacking players for, for Burnley in that game. Um, you know, the basically the high quality player in the match ended up being the you know, the players in the match ended up being the match winners. But it was Zaruri, Brownhill scoring his goal, Obafemi coming off the bench. You know, these are basically the players who have dominated for Burnley. And I think Coventry have certainly at least one player who is of a similar level, and that's Victor Gyokares. And if those players could run riot against Huddersfield, I see no reason why Gyokares can't. I see no reason why Gustavo Harmer can't. When you look at Coventry's um, on a very base level, their recent away record in the championship, it doesn't read particularly well. They have won one of their last five championship games. They've lost three of those games. However, big but. If you look at who they've played in those games, it tells its own story. Three, all three of those defeats came against uh, probably three of the four form teams in the whole division over the last three or four months. It was against uh, a 1-0 loss at Burnley, a game where they were arguably unfortunate to lose, a 1-0 defeat at West Bromwich Albion, and then a 3-1 defeat at Sheffield United. So the, the two teams who are probably going to finish in the top two and a team under Carlos Corbran have shown form of a top, four or five team uh, since he's been at the club. So we can forgive them for that. When they've come up against poor opposition, they beat Rotherham 2-0 uh, last time they played a, a team threatened by relegation in a fairly cosy victory. Uh, and they went to Preston in midweek and Preston were pretty decent, to be fair. Like Coventry weren't necessarily the better side, but um, they managed to get away with a point. I think Coventry have a chance of getting into the playoffs this season. Um, I think they are the better team comfortably here there's nothing really in their away form to concern me too much if, if we go back before the um that run of of games that i'm talking about uh the three defeats um they also had three three away wins in a row uh, where they went to watford stoke and cardiff and beat all three of them to nil like that they're not a team who are overly reliant on their home form under mark robbins um jokeres went through his little uh blip that is over he's back scoring goals and i just expect them to be the better team here if neil warnock can get a reaction out of Huddersfield and get them operating a higher level and I've got egg on, egg on my face at six o'clock Albanian time on Saturday, then fair play to him. And I will say so at the time, but at the prices available now, I think Coventry are a must bet because I'm not seeing it yet from uh, from Neil's Huddersfield. As everyone who's been to Tirana knows, you're more likely to have sushi in your mouth than egg on your face at 6pm CET on a Saturday. Weird you say that, because we walked past one shop and all it sold was eggs. An egg shop? Yeah, just just an egg shop. It was pretty big. 
there was a woman standing at the front of the counter and she just had eggs on the counter, eggs in all the shelves behind her. They were all the same egg. It wasn't like there was different kind of eggs. Um, so I think you're probably quite likely to have egg on your face in Tirana as well if you go there. Quite an apt aside that because after you mentioned the phrase Warnock tax being baked into the price, I spent that f- whole five minutes thinking of baked goods. And I also was considering the possibility that if you're talking about something being baked in, you should probably call it Warnock yeast. And there's an image. Yeah. Mm. Why not? Yeast. Mm. Uh, my nap is also in the championship. It is Luton Town to beat Swansea City at Kenilworth Road at even money with the Betfair Sportsbook. I have seen both of these two teams play in the last 72 hours. One of them in the flesh and one of them with my eyes on the television screen. <laughs> Swansea played on Monday night against Rotherham and they played very, very, very poorly. I was incredibly underwhelmed by what I saw. I know that their performances and their results have been dropping for a while now. I know that for their fans, that level of performance was no surprise whatsoever. It certainly was for me as the first time I'd watched them a full 90 live for maybe a month or so. To my eyes, an astonishing drop off in levels, even from one month ago. Um, I thought they were really, really poor. And I'm concerned that the current downward trend well, either it keeps trending downwards or it flatlines at this point. And the point that they're at is that they're playing incredibly poorly. I've mentioned a few times how I think particularly after the, the two home games that they've just had, this Swansea season is petering out. Uh, and as it peters out, the the anger at the board will grow. The anger at Russell Martin will grow. The anger towards some of the individual players will grow as the, as the poor results come naturally with playing scapegoats as well. Uh, and I think the season will finish in pretty ugly fashion for Swansea, continuing here at Kenilworth Road. In four of their last six, they've conceded over 2xG to their opposition. They've lost their grip completely defensively. And if you make the point, which I've probably made before, that their possession-based style is quite a good defensive strategy in the main, and this is a team that in the main doesn't concede that many shots or hasn't done over the last 18 months, well, even that seems to have slipped because in possession, they are nowhere near the level that they've been at uh, previously this season. So only one clean sheet in their last 13 games, Swansea, and that possession game is just breaking down a fair bit. All season, it strikes me that they've had two or three players that just do not suit the style and do not provide what they need them to provide in an attacking sense uh, throughout the pitch, really. Um, But in particular, down the wings, where, of course, Manning is very, very good. But I always feel like attacks die down Swansea's right. It means they skew heavily left. And if you're skewing heavily one way, it makes you easier to plan for. It makes you easier to defend against. Uh, They come up against Luton. I was at Kenilworth Road to see them come back from 2-0 down to draw 2-all with Millwall. And I was very impressed. I mean, it's, it's obviously quite a strange game to take a load of conclusions from because they were 1-0 down so early on, just a couple of minutes in. And then they went 2-0 down at the start of the second half as well. So I haven't even looked at XG numbers or shot numbers or anything like that because I'm so wary of, of how much game state would massage that. But aside from all of that, I was just impressed with the way that they approached things. I felt that they kept very, very calm. Uh, I felt that they stuck to the game plan that they would have had even had the game stayed at nil-nil. Um, and they they finished with a, a you know a roaring comeback, a, a great atmosphere, and the players clearly loving playing under Rob Edwards, who's giving them a little more creative license to get on the ball, which 
anecdotally you hear players do enjoy. I liked what I saw on that front. I thought they built into Millwall's final third pretty well. Uh, they didn't always succeed in, in piercing Millwall's back line, who sat pretty deep, but Millwall's back line is, is an absolute beast and Swansea's back line is kind of like a little mouse at the moment. So they're getting better at playing on the deck, but they're still very capable of going longer into Morris and Adebayo. Moving towards that kind of mixed style that I've been talking about quite a lot recently, where you know you, you, you have the training and the patterns to play through when necessary, but you can just go long and you can do so with quality and you can do so with good targets. I think Luton are building towards that and I think it, it, it could be pretty good for them. And then finally, the one thing that Swansea have really struggled with in the last month or two is when they get pressed really well and they're trying to build from the back and, and they've lost their confidence. And when you lose an ounce of confidence when it comes to that stuff, it can look pretty ugly. There aren't many better teams in the league than Luton at pressing. Uh, and on this tight, on this very narrow Kenilworth Road pitch, I think Swansea's possession game will be even harder than ever. So uh, I like Luton here. I think an ad another Adebayo goal is on the cards. Uh, I think he's, he's getting into some pretty amazing goal-scoring situations and obviously grabbed one in, on Tuesday. So I'm expecting an Adebayo goal and a Luton win. That's my nap. Even money with the Betfair Sportsbook. Next best. Well played. Thank you. I am, and I know... I've maybe got to stop doing this. I am uh, backing Cheltenham at, at seven to five at home to Fleetwood um, for a few reasons. I mean, I am aware that since my whole Cheltenham are quite a good thing, um, they've looked pretty atrocious in, in a couple of games. There's no getting away from that. I'm not going to try and dress it up as anything differently. Um, although I would say that their performance at home in the 2-0, um, sorry, away in the 2-0 defeat against Derby in midweek was far, far better than um, the 4-0 defeat against Pompey and the 4-0 defeat against Barnsley. Now, whether that really matters, I'm not really sure. And that's not really why I'm having the bet anyway. It's more because Fleet would come into this one off the back of an almighty blow. Like, they had a man sent off early on in an FA Cup uh, last 16 tie on Wednesday night against probably the worst team in the EFL that you can go behind, that you can go ten, uh, down to 10 men against in Burnley. And they kept Burnley at bay until just before the final whistle in that game. And not only is that going to be physically exhausting, it's also, I'm, I think, going to be mentally fairly draining as well. Like, they have three days to recover to get back to Fleetwood from Burnley and then get back on the coach again and get down all the way down to Cheltenham for a game that realistically doesn't really matter. Like Fleetwood are not going to get relegated. They are not going to go up. It will take, like Scott Brown is probably the man to do it if anyone is, but for him to praise his players for what was an unbelievable achievement to get as far as they did against Burnley and get them mentally ready for this and get them physically ready for this as well um, is going to be incredibly difficult. And they're up against the Cheltenham side who are, you know, this is this is probably Cheltenham's biggest game of the season so far. And if they were to win this game, it would be a massive step for them in terms of their um, attempts to uh, get out of this get get out of the relegation scrap as it is at the moment, where they're two points clear. Now, obviously, Cheltenham had their own difficult game on on Tuesday night. They had an away game too. I'm not for a second suggesting they're going to be fresh, um, but I've said a few times I do think Cheltenham are aren't or, or are like very capable of putting in performances that are far, far better than um, what we've seen recently at home, especially against poorer teams. You know, they've, they've hosted Port Vale and Accrington recently with a better side in both games, despite not winning either. We've seen them beat Morecambe uh, at home. We saw them beat Wickham at home um, all in, in kind of recent months. So 
yeah, it's mainly a, a Fleetwood negative just in terms of where they are going to be mentally and physically and how much and how important this game is. I think the answer for both is, is, is fairly minimal and Cheltenham, for Cheltenham, they should be there for the taking. Okay, my next best is Sheffield Wednesday to win to nil against Peterborough United in League One. Uh, this is kind of stance-based, really. I, I think Sheffield Wednesday are in unbelievable nick right now. Uh, they've won 10 of their last 12 at Hillsborough. In that last 12 at Hillsborough, in which they've won 10 of them, seven of them they've won to nil. I think sometimes, not sometimes, pretty much every season, a team in the EFL, one of the three leagues, just gets into the most beautiful zone, the most, like, the purest team winning zone, repeatable and consistent and strong and it just carries you and carries you through uh, February and March and suddenly you're in April and you're getting the bunting out and you're getting the streamers ready and you're getting the confetti. (laughs) Yeah, and you're booking the Spice Girls for the parade. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I feel Sheffield Wednesday are at the moment. I really, really do. In the last two months in particular, I just think that they've just hit this perfect zone uh, and it makes me want to get with them at any opportunity. That's difficult to do because they are such a short price to win most of their matches. But I think I've got an opportunity to get with them this weekend. Um, And it helps that I don't think Peterborough are a particularly serious team. In like the in the sort of internet way that people say that they're, they're an unserious team, Peterborough. That doesn't mean they're bad. Doesn't I'm not saying they're a bad team. I just don't really trust them. I think that they are a bit wishy washy, and I think they're the sort of team that go to Hillsborough and don't live up to their potential and could easily get steamrolled here. They're they're very good at home. They've got a good home record this season, Peterborough, where they're very comfortable and they score lots of goals and they win lots of games and they are the sort of League One Peterborough high-scoring team that they've been for for so many years. But away from home is just not the case. They've played six of the bottom nine away and beaten all of them. They've played nine of the top half away and they've lost all nine. That's pretty stark, and that's why I call them an unserious team. You go away from home against a team that you know is pretty poor, and you know that you're better than them, and you just and you just win because you're confident and you you kind of can play without fear. But any time they come up against it in difficult fixtures, they have lost away from home every single time. They played in midweek. They drew nil nil at home to Charlton. They had ten men for forty minutes in that game. So I'm thinking some tired legs, some tired minds heading up to the best team in the league. This locomotive. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday. God, it'd be cool if they changed their name to Locomotive Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> anyway, Sheffield Wednesday, win to nil. 3.1, 21 to 10. Uh, let's move past it. Don't forget, it's bet 10, get two with the Betfair Sportsbook. That means if you bet £10 on EFL Ackers this season, you'll get a £2 free bet. T's and C's in the description of this podcast. George, on the exchange, do a lay. Do a lay, do a laper. Um, <laughs> my lay is, is uh, Derby. At home to Shrewsbury at one point seven two. Um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I had some Albanian egg on my face uh, about a week ago when I said on our big match preview on the YouTube channel that I thought they would beat Barnsley away. Barnsley absolutely ransacked them um, in that game, and as I said a second ago, my Cheltenham selection, even though they bounced back to to, to winning ways at home to Cheltenham in that 2-0 win, they weren't necessarily convincing. And I'm just taking a chance here that maybe Derby are having a bit of a drop-off. 
as you know, I mentioned in the Monday pods, if like me, you think that sometimes you can basically track managers for being fairly streaky, I think Paul Warren, well, I mean, in, in my opinion, Paul Warren is one of those managers, if you can do that. Like we, we saw his Rotherham side go on these incredible runs. He also had at least three runs of form during his tenure there where if it wasn't Rotherham, I think he'd have been under serious uh, pressure to lose his job. And I'm not suggesting that's about to happen at Derby, but off the back of a terrible performance against Barnsley and then a not a great performance against against a you know one of the weaker or one of the sides threatened by relegation in League One, um, I'm just happy to take a chance here up against a Shrewsbury side who themselves under Steve Cottrell are absolutely flying. Um, I, I don't necessarily think Shrewsbury's um, run of form is sustainable. I also don't think that they are, you know, going to challenge for any playoff berth, any unlikely late run or anything like that. But I think with Steve Cottrell, you are always 100% positive you're going to come up against, you're going to be, you know, siding with a team who are going to make it difficult for your position, who are going to be set up well, who aren't going to make it easy. Um, and so therefore, I think, it, yeah, 1.7, was it 1.72? Yeah, 1.72. I think Derby are, are, are a bit too short. Yeah, I am laying Northampton Town in League Two. Been matched at 1.57 on the Betfair Exchange. And if you're thinking, wow, 1.57, they are very heavy favourites for this football match. I wonder who they're playing. Let me tell you, it's Crawley Town. And Crawley Town are, are pretty bad. Uh, Crawley Town are in pretty bad form. They're, they've lost their last four games. They haven't won for a long time. And... So I'm going to have to justify this. In recent weeks, I genuinely do believe that aside from an absolute aberration against Carlisle and one tough away game against Orient, where Orient were fairly comfortable in the better side, albeit it was only 1-0, I still think that Crawley at 0-0 and starting games have been better than their form line suggests, have been better than their league position suggests. Now, football's not just about what you do at nil-nil. They've been absolutely abhorrent when they've gone behind, like laughably bad, and it, it doesn't reflect very well on the personality, the character of the individuals in the squad. But while they are still in the game, and while it's still nil-nil, and in the early stages, having been set up and had all their instructions, they play okay stuff. I do think they carry a threat. They're not very, very good defensively, but I do think they carry a threat. Once they go behind, that is it, though. So they're up against Northampton, who got a pretty poor record recently. A one win, four draws, one defeat uh, in February. It's only one defeat, but it's also uh, only seven points from six, and that is not automatic promotion form, and they've fallen away from that third spot, and the fans are getting pretty restless, and there's a bit of pressure on John Brady. They've only scored four goals in their last six games. They've not been hitting the heights of the early part of the season. Hoskins, don't get me wrong, still getting a lot of shots off, but they're just not going in as much as they did in the first few months of the season. And outside of him, they, they they just have never had many attacking contributors when it comes to goal output. They're also suffering a few key injuries in midfield. Fox and McWilliams are out. Uh, and those are two of the key men from their good form earlier in the season. So basically at this very, very short price, 1.57, I think if there's a chance that Crawley could spring a surprise and score first, start okay and get a goal where they haven't recently, I think that this this could be worth a lay. So I also think there's a chance Cobbler score early and win 4-0. Uh, so this is just about who scores the first goal, laying Northampton. 1.57, I hope that makes sense. I don't know if it does. I've lost all track of what makes sense and what doesn't. George, goals. So I'm giving a free tip here. Um, 
And I'm just going to clarify now, Ali, that if this tip wins, it doesn't go into my PL and I'm not expecting it to either. Okay. Uh-huh. But I can't put it up because I don't like the price. But there, there is a price on the exchange. And obviously, we use the sports, Betfair sports, but prices for our bets. But I think it might be worth backing nil-nil in Lincoln versus Oxford on Saturday um, at, I think it's 9.2. So basically, 8 to 1 currently, 9.4 to 8 to 1 currently on the exchange. And it'll probably go bigger um, as more money comes into the market. I'm going to quickly give that a justification, then I'll give you my proper bet because I wouldn't forgive myself if I didn't. Um, Lincoln famously uh, haven't lost at home this season. Lincoln famously have only won three games at home this season. It's one of the weirdest records uh, I've ever really seen. Um, it's bizarre. You always wonder, is it that kind of Lee Clark thing now where they are so desperate to hold on to this home unbeaten streak that they don't really do anything in an attacking sense, um, they've only scored, for a team who are unbeaten at home, in 16 games, they've only scored 15 goals. I mean, that is like so, for that to have happened is is bizarre. Um, and But the opposition, and I'm going to be at this game, so it'll probably be nil-nil. Um, but the opposition, Oxford, are on the caretaker manager being led by Craig Short. Now, Craig Short was, as we all know, a pretty good, pretty agricultural centre-back. Um, as a player, he had a, a brief period uh, as a manager early on in his coaching career, which didn't really go to plan. Um, at I mean, he also he was at he really went to Ferenc Faros as manager, uh, not for long, and then he was at Notts County, not for very long either. Uh, and I, you know, from everything that I have heard about Craig Short as you know Craig Short, the coach, it's that he is very different when to Carl Robinson in terms of his coaching style. And given that Oxford have had, I think, four clean sheets in the last 40 games, my hunch is that um, <laughs> any work and all work being done on the training ground this week would have been about just trying to get a clean sheet, just trying to tighten up and find a way to stop the goals from leaking. And it would be kind of typical as well that after a manager who's uber attacking leaves a building who you know isn't necessarily the most pragmatic, if Short comes in up against one of the bluntest attacks in the whole division and just looks to do that. So... A nil-nil is a spare little um, one for everybody, but my actual selection... Thank you so much. That's so kind of you. All right, mate. It's quite a weird thing to say. My goals pick is over 3.5 Borough goals at 6-1 to one at home to Reading. Um, uh, he, um, I did this the other day when they played QPR and they scored three, which was pretty annoying, 7-1. to one. I'm trying again here because at home... We know that Borough score loads of goals and they're coming up against a um, QPR side who, sorry, they're coming up against a Reading side who concede a lot of goals. If you take Middlesbrough's recent games at home, they've covered that over three and a half goal line only once, which came against Wigan, but they've also scored three in both of their last two games against Blackpool and against QPR. Um, away from home, they've scored three against Birmingham, Cardiff, and Sheffield United. You know they are knocking on the door basically every week. Reading, on the other side, on the other hand, this season are an abhorrent away side. Um, in the Championship, they conceded four at Stoke back in January. They've conceded three uh, at Birmingham. They've conceded four at Sheffield United. Three at Swansea. Four against Rotherham. You know these aren't necessarily even the the you know, some of them are the poorest attacking teams in the division, let alone the best. Um, yeah. Given also the news this week about the, the points deduction, which we think is going to be implemented next week for Reading, I'm not going to suggest for a second that's going to have a massive impact on their performances because there's not a great deal to play for, but probably not going to help matters um, in terms of 
a you know a, a team where things aren't great off the pitch. And Borough need this. You know they had a really damaging two 0 loss against West Brom last time out. They looked way less threatening than they have done. They had done, but far far worse attacking sides have found it easy to cut through Reading at will when they're at home. Um, and I think Borough should be able to do that. So six to one over three and a half Borough goals. I'm interested to hear that because that's sort of a part of my goals pick. It's a treble and it is team over 2.5 goals treble. And I'm swinging for the fences, as they say in baseball. Must be. Yeah. At, at this be. stage of the season, George, where I can't pick a goals pick right and I haven't done all season. I'm going for it. I'm looking for teams that are really like on the slide at this stage of the season. Teams that are losing their grip. Uh, and and losing their shape a little bit and their motivation just gets chipped away at and they just kind of fall away a little bit and in games they can let games get away from them i'm going for burnley over 2.5 goals against blackpool uh, it's 13 to 5 this one's at blackpool this is a little bit because I, i've seen some suggestions heard some rumors that the blackpool players are not loving life under mick mccarthy it's not surprising because you know what you're going to get from Mick McCarthy. And I dare say, if you are winning football matches and moving towards achieving your goal of survival, it would be easy to be motivated and buy into what you're trying to do. When you're only picking up five points in seven games, and if anything, you're getting further and further away from survival, and you're not scoring very many goals, and you're spending a ton of time defending, but not to very good effect, I could see how that would be quite unpopular uh, amongst the players. So I do not know if those rumours are true, but that's something that's bubbling around the club at the moment, and that doesn't ever help. It feels to me more like the end of his Cardiff City reign than the start of it, which is what they hired him for. Um, and playing against Burnley is pretty brutal, if that is the case. Um, if you sit deep against Burnley, but you're not that good at it, well, that's basically perfect. That's exactly what they like, uh, as Huddersfield found out last week. So Burnley over 2.5 goals, 13-5. to 5. Middlesbrough over 2.5 goals is 2-1. to 1, And that's the second leg of, of the Treb. Um, yeah, Reading's points deduction, uh, the reported points deduction, which hasn't been confirmed just yet, but is expected to be... You could argue that it would motivate them, but I suspect there'll be a feeling of the players, the staff and the fans all just feeling very hard done by. Hard done by uh, from the EFL, hard done by from the owners who can keep falling foul of the EFL. They've done nothing wrong. In fact, if anything, the team, the management staff, the fans have been the, the part of Reading FC that's actually been functioning f consistently for six months, 12 months, whatever it might be, uh, and they're being undermined. So I, I think going away to free-scoring Borough is not ideal. Uh, and then Stockport over 2.5 goals. At home to Doncaster, 3-1. to one. Nothing statsy here. This is pure instinct. After Dave Challoner's uh, reaction to last weekend's defeat that Stockport suffered at the hands of Barrow, he was incredibly firm post-match, but he was very fair. I think he pitched it just right. Um, no room whatsoever for complacency. He has generally had this Stockport team highly focused and highly effective uh, and they got stronger and stronger as the season went on last season that's more or less been the case barring last weekend this season so I'm expecting a couple of changes as promised I just really like Dave Challoner I think he's an excellent manager I think his track record proves it and I think they come out swinging here and and keep swinging for 90 minutes because they've been told off uh, and they want to you know impress their dad Dave Challoner so Stockport over 2.5 goals three to one the treble <laughs> Burnley, Borough and Stockport all over 2.5 goals, 
43.3 with the Betfair Sportsbook. 42 to 1. Wow. A Betfair's Bet Builder allows you to combine selections easily into one bet. And with Betfair's popular Bet Builder, you can easily add the trending Football League Bet Builder selections to your bet slip in just one tap. George is head bopping along to my read there. Give me a goal scorer. My goal scorer pick is the same as last week. Um, it is Leaf, the Leaf Davis at 8 to 1 to score any time uh, because this was really unlucky. I put him up last week at 11 to 1. He had three shots. He had two pretty good opportunities. He had one shot tipped over the bar, um, an XG of about 0.3 in the game. As I said then, he is playing incredibly high. He's on free kicks. He's getting into the box in open play. It's just one of those. It's like you and Dan Ballard. Like This is just just categorically the wrong price, especially when you consider that the Ipswich are like 1.35 to win the game at home against Burton. Like we've seen Ipswich score loads of goals in home games this season already against weaker, weaker teams in the league. I don't know what else to say. Um, he should be a lot shorter than he's being priced up at the moment. So that is the one. I was tempted by Nathan Teller at 3-1, to one, um, but I've lent, I've decided to go down the leaf route. Who had more shots last weekend, you or Leif Davis? <laughs> Great question. Um... Me. Well done. Uh, I'm upset with you for bringing up <laughs> Big Dan Ballard because I'm a bit angry. Uh, we lost the Ballard price. It's gone. Oh. We lost it without him even scoring. What's the fastest bread in the world? It's gone. It's gone. Well, it is. And we lost the Ben Goodlift price. That's gone without him even scoring. It's just like, come on, give us a bit of fun. Don't chop the price before they score. What's the, Where's the fun in that? May the world doesn't owe you anything. <laughs> Give me a break. Callum Lang is my goal scorer pick. And this is basically because I wanted someone to really show some support to this week to help them through a tough time. And the reason why, or the, or the, the manner in which I decided to do that was look at total shots this season and see who is just like taking loads of shots and not scoring any goals. And Callum Lang in the championship, 44 shots, only one goal scored this season. He's around the three expected goals mark. Um, I like Wigan at the price. They're at home to Birmingham, who I think might be in a bit of a tailspin. This was almost my next best. Callum Lang to score any time at 11-4, 3.75 appeals instead. Uh, 44 shots, only one goal this season. Now that doesn't match up with my opinion of Callum Lang which is that I always thought one of his best traits was that he was a really calm finisher he was a good finisher he, he finishes hard and low and in the corners I don't understand why he would only have scored one in 44 shots uh, last three appearances three shots four shots three shots one of these is going corner I think it could be this weekend against Birmingham 3.75 that's 11 to 4 Callum Lang my goal scorer selection George recap please Leaf and Lang sounds quite fun, doesn't it? It's almost like it should be like a show about two friends. My nap is Coventry at 13 to 10 to go and beat Huddersfield. My next best is Cheltenham at home to Fleetwood at 7 to 5, laying Derby at 1.73, it was, wasn't it? Um, at home to Shrewsbury, over 3.5 borough goals at 6 to 1, and Leaf to Leaf Davis, 8 to 1 to score any time for Ipswich at home to Burton Albion. Well done. My nap is Luton at even money to beat Swansea. Next best, Sheffield Wednesday to win to nil. 3.1 at home to Peterborough United. I've laid Northampton Town at 1.57 against Crawley Town. Two very different towns, I would suggest. Uh, my goals pick is a team over 2.5 goals treble. Burnley and over 2.5. 
Burnley to score over 2.5 goals, Middlesbrough to score over 2.5 goals, Stockport to score over 2.5 goals. The treble is 43.3 with the Betfair Sportsbook. And my goal scorer, Callum Lang of Wigan, 3.75. That's 11 to 4 there at home to Birmingham. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Betfair for your support of this podcast. We've got new content up on the YouTube channel uh, and we'd like you to watch it. It's called Lonely Planet and I think you'll enjoy it. Go out. 